0: All right, good evening, everybody. Let's turn our Bibles to Acts. Chapters 24 and 25 is where we'll be. Acts 24 and 25. Lord, we thank you for tonight all the teachers that have prepared their lessons for the kids and uh, for the meal of your word that you prepared for us tonight in this side. And we pray that it would nourish us, that we would take it all in, um, that we wouldn't reject any of it. We'd accept everything you have for us so that we can be healthy, strong and uh, prepared. I pray that you'd speak by your Holy spirit to the kids and their classes and their time with you and your word. And also with us and, uh, That we'd be closer to you by the end of the night, as Aaron's already prayed, and I know the classes have already prayed as well, that your Holy Spirit would just be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul's kind of living it up. That's where we left him last week. Living it up, as much as you can live it up in prison, I guess, but he's, he's doing all right. It's not some of the places he's been in the past. We left him in Herod's Praetorium, which is Herod's headquarters, which may have some sort of jail or temporary restrain, you know, a place to restrain people or whatever. But more than likely, he's just, uh, from what we can understand from the text tonight, he's got liberty. Which means he can walk around, he can go shop, he can do it, you know, provide for himself, but also his friends can provide for him as well. He's not, access isn't denied for him. And so Paul has... uh, Found himself on a very similar path to what Jesus found himself on. Eh, maybe not so nice as, um, Jesus didn't have it as, as nice as he as Paul does here. But similarly, Paul is being brought before the religious rulers in Jerusalem. Now he's going to also be brought before the worldly rulers um, in Rome. This is what we switch to tonight, and so he's following that same path. And just like Jesus was told time and time again, this is what's going to happen, or at least he tried to explain it to his disciples, this is what was going to happen. And of course, Peter stood up and said, not so, Lord, you're not going to die on the cross. He says, get behind me, Satan. This is my path. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You're trying to block me from this important uh, calling. Paul, uh, similar, he, he resisted all those pleas and continued on and has found himself now sitting at a different, a bunch of religious rulers. The first group uh, they wanted to just use mob rule. And that's where he got sort of rescued from. Um, Lysias, the commander of the Roman, uh, you know, uh, entourage there in Jerusalem, pulled Paul out of this mob that was trying to beat him senseless and tried to make sense of the whole thing. And realizing that Paul was a Roman citizen, withdrew himself, says, I, I can't just beat this guy to find a, get a confession. Um, I've got to to do something different. I've got to do this legally because he's a Roman citizen. Anybody else? Eh. But Roman citizens need to be treated differently. And so Paul has placed himself under that. Paul knows Roman law. He understands the situation. And everybody in this story is underestimating him. Everybody is underestimating Paul. Paul must must not have a commanding presence about him until he opens his mouth. That seems to be the case. Even the Corinthians kind of forgot how strong Paul was until he wrote them the letters. And then they realized, ooh, I forgot how smart Paul was. You know, um, Paul's pretty smart. He's, <laughs> he knows his stuff. And he's going to use it. He's going to use it. Paul has three things to his advantage. He has his intelligence, the brain that God's given him, and God chose him for this purpose. Um, God picks us all for different reasons and uses us for different different capacities, different tools for different jobs. Paul was needed for this purpose right here. So he he doesn't flub when brought in front of dignitaries. He doesn't, um, you know, get his foot stuck in his mouth. Um, He runs circles around people when it comes to these things, and he's the right guy for the job. So he's got his brains. He's also got the truth on his side. Um, which sometimes doesn't always work out, but nevertheless, he can stand with confidence because he knows he's right. That's important. Um, He knows his stuff. He knows his doctrine. He understands Christ. He understands salvation. He understands what's legal, what's not legal, and he's right. He's right to do so. He's got his innocence, um, and those are the things. Those are the three things. He's got his brains, his... um, his knowledge of the of the law, but then also he's got truth and he's got his innocence. And so he's resting on those things. It's going to work out pretty good until it doesn't, until it doesn't work out. Um, it's important to have those things in your life is what I'm getting at before we get started here. You need to, although people can make accusations all day long, you need to be on the right side of things. Um, that is the only way the world should be able to convict a Christian is through um, through lying, um, through accusations only. It should never be uh, the truth, you know? Um, the world should always have to go to the dark side to convict a Christian. That's that's how it should be. Very important. And uh, to have that clear conscience before God and before men is very important. Now, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't mean you won't be martyred. It doesn't mean you won't be found guilty of things, but it needs to be a lie if you are found guilty. So chapter 24, verse 1. Now, after five days, so he's been in the praetorium for five days. um, Lysias has sent Paul uh, with a letter um, to this man, Felix. He's the governor. And so he's been there for five days. And Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullius. And these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. Evidence... uh, (laughs) Not really, but that's what they call it. And when he was called upon, Tertullius began his accusation, that's all he has, saying, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to us or brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. See, if these guys that have come up from Jerusalem to make the accusation against Paul had any shred of evidence and had any truth, they wouldn't need this lawyer to join them. It should be plain and simple. You ought to be able to lay out the flat facts. You ought to be able to just say, "Here's it, here it is. You decide. It's obvious. It's obvious. But they don't. They've got a weak case. They don't have a case at all. All they have is innuendo, accusations. So they bring some guy, they hire some guy. I mean, he's got to be hired, this Tertullian, this this eloquent speaker to make the case for them. So he doesn't have a lot to work with. So he's going to have to use a lot of fluff to get his point across. And you can hear the fluff already, this flattery. I got to get this guy on my side. I've got to get the judge to hear me. I've got to get him to be in my corner. Romans warns about that. Romans 16, verse 18 for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Everybody knows, including Felix that none of what this guy just said is true. Felix is a creep. He's known to be a creep. He is a guy who used to be a slave and found himself uh the brother of someone who had favor with the emperor and so has found himself in a great spot we've got a whole group of them up in dc most of the time a lot of them anyway or if it's not them they've got people that have got advantage in every aspect of business or ambassadors or whatever because they know a guy you know and we find that to be the case we we see that happening all the time. In fact, that's one of the things that are going on right now in Washington is they want to stop. Hey, maybe we shouldn't be allowed to trade on the stock exchange, knowing exactly what's going to happen in the future for businesses, regulations, and all these things, you know. It's unfortunate we have to put those kind of rules on these people. They ought to be free to be able to do whatever they want, but they can't control themselves. They have insider information and it seems like they're taking advantage of it. So we've got to make up rules. Well, this is no different. And that's no different today. I mean, none of us should be shocked. What? You know, people are making money off of their power and position? Of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. You know? This isn't a shocker to us. This is no different. This guy who's hearing this is being told this this guy has led uh uh, campaigns against the jewish people to to wipe them out slaughters he's known to do this you know so these jewish guys coming up to him and saying oh most noble Felix nothing noble about the guy they all know that he's a slave they know that he's in this position because he has he knows a guy and he's taking full advantage of it too taking full advantage of the opportunity, trying to run roughshod over every rule and regulation that's out there because he is who he is. So he's using his position um, to gain advantage. We have great peace and prosperity. They don't, and he knows they don't. Nobody likes this guy. He doesn't like them. But in order for this case to go further, he's enjoying this moment. Because he knows they've got some, this is, this is, uh, it's not bribery. I mean, I know it's flattery, but we're leading up to bribery is what we're getting at here. And he understands, and he knows that they understand. If you want this to go right, this is how you talk to me. This is how anybody talks to me if they want things to go their way. So none of this is a surprise. This is a kangaroo court. There's nothing noble happening here. And Mr. Fluff is up speaking to gain advantage. Proverbs 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. We're to steer clear of that stuff. Stay far away from that garbage. When people flatter, there's nothing wrong with compliments. There's a big difference. Compliments are okay. In fact, you need to accept those compliments. Sometimes it's hard for us because we think it's more noble to not accept them or to uh, you know, sidestep them or whatever. We just do that. You know, they um, talk about the Midwest a lot. You know, when you get a, when you get a new vehicle or something, and someone says, "Hey, that's a nice car." I didn't pay. I didn't pay nearly what I yeah. We, we, we always got, yeah it costs a lot of money. I love it. It's absolutely shiny and brand new. And I I, I can't tell you how great it is to have a six way seat with heat. It's wonderful. You know, but we can't say that out loud because it sounds somehow pompous or arrogant. You know. We've got to say, ah, well, you know, you know. It's okay to accept a compliment or it's okay to accept um, these things. Flattery, on the other hand, the idea isn't that you can't receive the flattery. The idea is there's an ulterior motive behind it. Don't trust it. And you know the difference. And you should be able to know the difference. You know, I can see that you're a smart guy, you know, and boy, do I have some encyclopedias for you! You know, you know well, I want to be smart, so I better buy, his, you know, books, whatever. Even though I've got a smartphone in my hand, you know, can you imagine trying to sell encyclopedias now? Wow, <laughs> that's the idea. That's the idea. So he's got his flattery out of the way. He moves on. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all Jews and throughout all all the world, or throughout the world. I mean, not just here, but everywhere. A ringleader. I look at all these inflammatory words. He's a plague. He's, he's bringing about dissension. He's a ringleader. And he's from, he's of the Nazarenes. You know, everybody hates the Nazareans, you know. Uh, even Andrew, didn't, isn't, it, isn't it Andrew that said, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, um, <laughs> nobody likes him. These are bad guys. So he just puts his names on them. Not Galilean. He's a, from the Nazareans. He even tried to profane the temple. And we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias, so now they're throwing Lysias under the bus. This commander Lysias came by and with great violence <laughs> took him out of our hands. So remember we were wondering how that all went down when they grabbed Paul. Were they violently taking Paul away or did they start beating everybody up around Paul. Well, they were beating everybody up around Paul. All the guys that were trying to beat up Paul, they got kicked in the head by these Romans. So they're throwing Lysias under the bus. Great violence, rough guy. Commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him yourself, you may ascertain all the things of which we accuse him. You know what they just said? We can't prove anything we just said, but if you examine him, you might be able to. You know, Frustrating. And the Jews also assent, so they're letting this guy talk. This Tertullius, this flattered, da, da 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 da. And the guys behind him in the big black robes, all the Pharisees are going, "Mm hmm, mm hmm." That's all they can do. What he said, they 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 assented, maintaining that these things were so. They just called that's the, the best they can do is they've labeled Paul a domestic terrorist. That's all they've said. He's a domestic terrorist. He's a danger to himself and to those around him careful be careful this stuff i don't want to bring it too close to home but if that's all it takes to put you on the no-fly zone i think i think i think what's your evidence i don't know what i think i really think and i think you do too don't you you think like i think be careful about that stuff where's the proof where's the evidence and i say that because we fall, our group, our side, whatever side you're on, does the same thing. We've really got to be careful about that. We think, we think, and we expect, and I don't know, but I think that I just, I've already, my court of my mind, they're guilty. is already. I understand the tendency to do that, but it's a double-edged sword. It comes back because if that's all it takes for us to convict them, that's all it takes for them to convict us. We've got to have evidence. We've got to have the rule of law. That's what makes this so amazing. I know it's not about Roman law, and I know it's not about the Roman civilization right now, but it's hard not to see how following laws and not people's opinions, how important that is, how fundamental that is to follow these laws and to have these set up this way. It's so important because it's going to work. Paul's going to work this. The reason they couldn't beat Paul to find out what was wrong with him, in other words, they're going to beat a confession out of him, is because he's under Roman law. And they know that Roman law says, you die if you do that. I don't want to do that. That's what's keeping perversion of justice from taking place right now. It's a wonderful thing. But they say, why don't you examine yourself, and you'll find out that all these things are true, and all the Jewish guys behind him are saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do that. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, it's your turn. Inasmuch as much as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. No flattery, just a fact. I know you've been a judge for a long time. I'm glad to answer for myself. I do the more cheerfully answer for myself because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And what's the point of that? Well, because everybody that saw me do everything they said I did, is still up there. Go get them. Where are the accusers? Where's the eyewitnesses? All I need are two. All these guys need are two witnesses saying, we saw Paul profane the temple. We saw Paul being a domestic terrorist and starting an insurrection against Rome. That's all they need are two people and they don't even bring them. And that's why he says that. It's been 12 days. They're still up there he's going to say that here in a little bit. Since I went up to Jerusalem to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. They can't prove any of it. So you are stuck, Felix, with what we've got here is their word versus my word. It's a he, she, he said, she said, or he said, he said, actually, but you know, you get the point. And so Felix is stuck and he knows he is. He's under rules and regulations. I can't just do what I want to do here. And by rights, he knows. Now, what's interesting to me is they do pervert justice a little bit in the sense that they hold him. So I don't know what Roman law was back then, but they hold him. They're going to hold him for two years with these accusations. They're going to hold him there until he asks for, uh, until he appeals to Caesar. Two years they're able to hold this guy without. And so you can see where we've improved upon those laws. We need to have a. You need to have a, a, not a swift trial, but it needs to happen quickly. You know, it needs to be soon. You can't just keep people indefinitely, you know. Um, they're going to keep Paul for two years. Now, maybe that's just the courts are backed up and it's going to take that long to get to Caesar. I don't know. Um, and nevertheless, that's where you find that. These guys can't prove anything. But, I can, but this I confess to you, that according to the way, now you guys called it, Uh, what he said, Um, you said it was a sect, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. I call it the way, which they call a sect. So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a a conscience without offense towards God and men. So now he's appealing to, the Jew, appealing to the Jewish side. Look, we agree on almost everything except Jesus Christ. That's it. We all agree in the law. I've said nothing about the law. We all agree in the prophets. I've said nothing against the prophets. The only thing that I've done is I've continued on with the truth, accepting the Messiah that God has sent. They haven't. And so what, what Paul is doing out loud is saying, you're the ones who are guilty. You're the ones that are not following God's law. You're the ones that haven't accepted the Messiah. And so he's trying to point that out to him. We, the, the problem here is the resurrection. Paul always gets to the resurrection, and that's where people tune him out. You know, every time he teaches, he talks about the resurrection of the dead, everybody goes, they flip a switch. No, 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 no. That is the hardest part and the most important part of the gospel. Without the resurrection, we have no salvation. That's the point. That's why it's so difficult to people. That is the crossroads. Everybody, when they come to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the lamb of God that took away the sin of the world was an accepted sacrifice because sin couldn't hold him. That means he was perfect without fault or blemish and rose from the dead because death couldn't hold him. Death can only hold sinners. He rose from the dead, proving that he was a perfect spotless lamb, acceptable by God. And the sacrifice was accepted for the sins of the world. That's the importance of the resurrection. He got up. Now, Paul also makes a mention here that helps us in other areas of our doctrine. I know it's a heavy subject for a Wednesday night. You guys are like, oh, man. Well, hold on. This is important. There's a resurrection of the just and the unjust. There is a time when everyone stands before God. Now, for us as believers, it's before the beam seed seat of Christ. For the unbeliever, it's before the great white throne judgment. There is no annihilation. There is no soul sleep. There's a resurrection of the just and the unjust, both, Paul says. Teaching that right here. We have no excuse. He's just taught them this. He's taught us that tonight. And to know that about our salvation and about our walk with the Lord. Verse 17. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation. Now, he picked up on that. this Felix guy. You got money? He's not. He likes Roman law. He has to follow Roman law, but he's got some, he's gonna, he's, his, his wheels are spinning now. How do I get a bribe from this guy? Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which, some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with a tumult. I wasn't doing anything. I was just, I was purified. I was doing exactly what I'm supposed to do by the law. They ought to have been here. That's the group he's talking about. It's only been 12 days since I've been up there. The people that found me in the temple, purified, doing my thing, where are they? Where are these people? Where are my accusers? They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. That's the only thing I said that might have been controversial. It's the only thing I've done. He just said, Tertullius and all you Jewish guys nodding your head behind him, this is your opportunity. Get on the record and testify against me as a witness. Nobody steps forward. All these guys that have been brought from Jerusalem to make their case against Paul say, yeah, I'd rather not go on the record here. That'd make me a liar. And boy, would I be in big trouble with Rome if I was found out to not be truthful if I perjure myself right now. Right there. This is the moment where Felix should say, okay, guys, we're we're the witnesses. Oh, we don't have any. Are you guys witnesses? Not really. Okay, Paul, go. That's exactly what should happen right here. It doesn't, but that's what should happen right here. Paul is using the law. Paul is running circles around these guys. Paul has the truth. Paul is innocent. Paul is smart. (laughs) It's working out well. But when Felix heard these things, especially about the money, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. We already have a full written statement from Lysias. Signed. He said it in chapter 23, this man was seized by the Jews, was about to be killed by them. Come, and he gives his statement, and it's signed by him. He has nothing more to add to that. So this guy's going to buy some time. Maybe if I keep him longer, make Lysias come. Lysias isn't coming. Lysias just got thrown under the bus, by the way, by the accusers. He's not a friendly, you know, at this point. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till Lysias come down. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. Don't do anything that would look bad. Let him go. Let him have some liberty. Well, I don't know what's happening here, but I know this guy isn't, he's not nice. Felix is not nice. He's a creep. So my guess is he's trying to butter him up, trying to get him softened a little bit, maybe get his guard down. Anyway. That's the case. We're going to wait for Lysias. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, she's about 20-year-old gal from what we know from history. She's related to Bernice, who's going to happen in number, chapter 25 here. Bernice is going to come. They're all, they're all in this together. King Agrippa, Bernice, and this gal, they're all in the family. It's just kind of weird, and I don't want to get into it tonight, but it's weird. It's as weird as it looks. So Felix comes with his wife, Drusilla, this is his third wife, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. So while we're waiting for this trial to unfold, why don't you tell us about this way? Tell us about this way. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, those are the things that Paul uses to minister the gospel to these guys. He's going to share it with them. These three things, very interesting. Very interesting. Paul loved those, he loved the two commandments. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But he also goes on to talk about restraint, self-control, and that there is going to be a judgment for everybody. Nobody likes to hear that. Everybody likes to get away with what they're getting away with. Nobody likes to hear that you're going to be held accountable when you stand before God. And so that's that's where they're at. And so Felix got afraid. <laughs> Stop talking about all these wives I have and stop talking about all these things that are going on. Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. It's inconvenient to be convicted right now, you know. And a lot of, that's how it is, you know. Conviction's hard. It is. It's hard for the believer. It's hard for someone who's madly in love with Jesus Christ. It's got to be hard for the unbeliever. None of us like to be convicted. Nobody likes to sit into a, either a sermon or on your quiet time or read the Bible and find out you've been doing stuff wrong or that you kind of forgot or you justified it in your mind and then it comes up in your quiet time. And you're like, oh, God, you're trying to tell me something, aren't you? Nobody likes that, but it's so, it's so important to receive that from him. It's so important to receive that criticism from our God to understand that conviction It's for us. It's for us. I'm trying to stop terrible things from happening to you. I don't know how many times I got talked to as a kid growing up. Several men and women in my life stepping into my life, bringing verbal conviction to me, not the spirit, but just flat out in my face conviction. I remember I had to talk to a parole officer one time one of the times and my mom and dad they believed me and and i don't know that i was necessarily lying but i had, I had i had told the story in such a way that it almost made me look innocent or almost like i i was caught and shouldn't have been caught there's a bunch of bad people out there i'm not one of them you know kind of thing it was god intervening and protecting me from a direction that i was heading i, I know that now so I'm talking to this parole officer, and he's looking at me across the counter. He's listening to me tell the story, and he's listening to my mom and dad who are in the in the room with me, tell the same story. He see, he 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 has been having a hard time sleeping. That's why he took the pill and and was and was. Dead. And this parole officer just looking at me he goes, "No, your son took the pill because he wanted to get high." Well, I don't think that my mom was just dumbfounded. I'm looking. I'm going, "Shut up, dude. You know." Intervention, conviction coming right at me saying, no, you know, I know you. I know a thousand kids like you. And you're lying. and Your parents love you. I don't have that many feelings towards you right now, except that you need to stop the direction you're headed in, you know, and he just, and he got us all, convicted all of us right there at, at the room. I remember that moment and many others, by the way, but I remember that moment Conviction is so important to receive, and to take, you know. Um, trust it. Trust the Lord when he steps in to do these things for you. So Felix doesn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this right now. It's inconvenient for me to, con- I mean, I'm enjoying my life right now. I got this 20-year-old girl, my third wife. enjoying it, you know. I'm at the top of my game. I'm the governor. I got you groveling before me, Paul. You know, I don't want to hear this right now. Meanwhile, this is the important part. He also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him, giving him lots of opportunities, you know, to get put something in my hand, you know, put something in Felix's hand. After two years, Pecorius Festus succeeded Felix and Felix uh, 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 succeeded Felix and Felix wanting to do the Jews a favor left Paul bound. So after two years, he loses his position to this new guy Festus, but he says, Oh, I want to do the, I want to do the Jews a favor. Cause now I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be in the secular world now, or I'm going to be in the, uh, the private world. Now I'm going to need their help, you know, getting a job or whatever. So, uh, yeah, if, hey, if you guys want him still in jail, we'll leave him there. So he does. So he does. Um, for this guy, Felix, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing, to the one we are an aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. To some people, we smell like life. Oh, you're you're the hope, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness I've always been waiting for and looking for. Thank you for telling me about the gospel. To others, like Felix, you remind me that I'm a rotting corpse and that I'm gonna stand before God and and have eternal death waiting for me. I do not want you in my presence. You smell. You smell like my death is the idea. That's the difference between receiving conviction and rejecting conviction as you either smell like life or it smells like death to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. We often think of ourselves. I think Felix is thinking of himself. It's uncomfortable to to feel convicted. But what's more important is the people around him, my family, my kids. They need to see dad repent sometimes and ask for forgiveness and walk with the Lord the way they have to walk with the Lord. I cannot walk on water around them as much as I'd love to. There's nothing worse than, than, than having to go up to your kids and say, you know, I kind of lost my temper on the mountain when we were skiing. You know, you know I'll never live that one down. And I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I lost my temper. I'm sorry I got upset, you know, and and all. And, uh, but you can't go on. You can't just go on like it didn't happen. You've got to, they've got to see that. And, and for Felix, it's so important, but he's too prideful. He can't take it. He can't do it. Uh, Chapter 25. Now, when Festus had come to the province, after three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. So this new guy's on the scene with Festus. And the high priests and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him Paul to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. Does this sound familiar? These guys were still hungry two years later. Those are the guys that said we're going to there's forty of so us, none of us are going to eat or drink until paul's dead we 're going to wait for him and then you know Lysias got wind of it and gave him two hundred and seventy uh that Roman soldier escort, and they're like, eh, we're gonna be hungry for a while. We're not gonna kill him. So they're back on that plan again. Perversion of justice. We we cannot come before you and give you an honest answer as to what this guy did wrong. We have no witnesses, but if you just bring him down here, we'll kill him, and that headache will be off of your plate. You don't have to worry about him anymore. We'll just kill him. Justice doesn't know about that. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate. I mean, I like you guys, or I want you to like me, But for me to take this prisoner down there and have you guys jump out of the bushes because I can't send him by himself. So that means you're going to kill him and some of my guys. It's got to make it look right. You know, I don't think that's a good idea. So verse four, but Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, that he himself was going there shortly. And therefore he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. Round two. Why don't you guys come up and lay your case out before? Paul's going to get tired of this here. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, (laughs) which they could not prove while he answered for himself. And here's his answer. Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. It's all he's got to say now. It's a one-sentence defense. Everything they said about me isn't true. Next. Because you guys have to prove your case, and you can't. So all I have to say is, didn't happen. I'm innocent. But Festus... Wanting to do the Jews a favor, he maybe thought this was going to go differently, like maybe they had a stronger case than they really had. He goes back to that plan B. Listen to this. Wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, are are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? You know what he's thinking, right? You get that. Maybe those 40 guys will jump out of the bush and kill you after all. In fact, I'm going with that plan. You guys paying attention over there, you know, in the court, you got that? I'm going to send him to Jerusalem be ready. That's the idea. Are you willing? Who asks a guilty man if they're willing? Everybody knows he's innocent, including Festus. Everybody knows it. Uh, you want to go up to Jerusalem and answer for yourself there? and that's, that's it for Paul. He's done. So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews... I have done no wrong as you very well know. Now that's a bold statement to make to your judge. You know, I'm innocent. You very well know it. I'm standing here. It ought to be said right here, right now. Paul is so bold. He's so right. It's so nice when you're right and have the truth and you're innocent. You can say anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. You You don't have to have a Tertullius, a lawyer with you. You say, I didn't do it. And you know, I didn't do it. You should judge me right now. For if I am am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. Convict me, go for it. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Boom, drops the hammer right there. I mean, a lot just happened if you don't understand. This guy, Festus, now has to send this accused prisoner with no charges up to Caesar. Crazy Caesar. Every one of them were crazy. All these guys at the top are crazy. And Caesar's going to have to sit there and listen, say, okay, Festus, what do you got against this guy? Well, I really don't have any charges. Why am I listening to this case? Why is he standing before me? Everybody's going to stare at him and he knows that. So he's going to try to drum up charges here. I got to figure something out. So Festus, when he had conferred with the council, can he do that? Can he really appeal to Caesar? He answered, you've appealed to Caesar? To Caesar, you shall go. He's kind of upset. And he said, okay, I'm gonna send you. Paul's like, great, send me. God's been telling me I'm going to Rome this entire time. You guys are delaying my progress. I'm ready to go. It's been two years. Let's go, let's move on. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice... I have this picture of Bernice in my mind. I don't know why, but I just do. I won't share it with you. You probably have your own picture of Bernice. King Agrippa and Bernice. It says later on that they came in with great pomp. You know, it's like it's like a, a pig with lipstick kind of thing, you know, kind of thing. I'm not saying she's a pig. I'm just saying it's like they don't belong in the court because it says they came in later on with great pomp. Like, you know, there's a trumpet. You can see her with her robe, dun, 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 you know, and it just doesn't fit, you know. Like she's got a, a, a turkey wing in her mouth or something or a turkey leg. And it's just, I get this picture of these two. It's comical. So after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Hello, most noble Festus. We're here to you know, pay homage to you. And when he had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king saying, I got a problem. There's a certain man left a prisoner by Felix about whom the chief priests and the elders and the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. And to them I answered, it is not the custom of Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself. See, that Roman law is protecting him concerning the charges against him. He gets a chance to speak. We We can't just, you know, kill the guy. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat in the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. And when the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed. They didn't say what I thought they were going to say. They said these dumb things about the temple. and I don't have any charges against this guy. I didn't know what to do. They had some question against him about their own religion, about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. That's up with the resurrection. You guys know anything about that? And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. When Paul appealed to be reserved for a decision of Augustus, I commanded to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. See if you can find anything wrong with him. Maybe he's going to trip up. And that's one of those things we were talking about. I don't know when we were, maybe Sunday. We're hoping Paul perjures himself. That's all we can hope for because we've got no crimes. But maybe if he tells his story enough times, he'll mess it up and he'll, he'll convict himself. You know, he'll bring his own charges against him. He'll perjure himself. I think that's what they're hoping for. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice <laughs> had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city at Festus', at, uh, at Festus command, Paul was brought in and Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. When I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death, just admitted it, no crimes against this guy, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided, you didn't decide anything, to send him. You had to go. You had to follow the law. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. I've got to send this guy up to Augustus without any charges. Help me out here. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa and Bernice. So, that, Sorry, I have to I throw that in there. So that after the examination has taken place, I may have something to write. This is the most ridiculous thing we've ever read, isn't it? Paul's got to be sitting there going, how many times am I got to tell this story? One more time, maybe we'll get you. And they're even telling it in front of him. We're hoping he says something stupid today so that we could write charges against him. And Paul's like, (laughs) okay. And see how Paul sees it and how we need to see this as Christians. I mean, I'm trying to bring this home to us. We're like, I'm never going to be brought before, you know, some king. You don't know. Paul never thought he'd be in front of this guy and this guy and this gal and this person and this person. And here he is telling the same story over and over again about Jesus, about the resurrection, about Jesus. It's just opportunities for them. That's how he sees it. He's the freest guy here. Yeah, he's in jail. He's in the praetorium, you know. And yeah, sometimes he finds himself in the middle of a prison. That's where God wants him to preach the gospel. That's how he sees it. No matter where I go, I'm preaching the gospel. And He does. He does. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not to specify the charges against him. That's how we close tonight. It seems unreasonable. It is. You're right. Why won't you let him go? Just let him go. Well, First of all, it's not God's plan. That's important. As much as we'd like for them to follow justice and do the right thing and just let him go, that's not what God wants. God wants him to go all the way. He wants him to preach all the way in Rome. Many people in Caesar's household are going to get saved by listening to Paul's case being given in Caesar's court. It's important. Very important to follow God's plan. And uh, anyway, we'll get into it next week. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the time tonight that you've uh, taught us and you've given us. um, The world is just, they're foolish. Um, They don't have... They have anything against you. They make stuff up, but it's, it's foolish, and, and, it's, and it's, it's refuted so easily with your wisdom. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for—we do have a corner on the truth. It's wonderful. We have you, and um, that we can hold on to, and that we can rest in, and that is what drives us, Lord to go through whatever the world has to throw at us, as long as we have a clear conscience and there are only accusations and we have the truth, and we have your wisdom, your Holy Spirit on our side, we'll go wherever you want us to go. We'll say whatever you want us to say. And uh, we're, we want to be open and ready for that. So Lord, give us boldness like Paul has. Give us those guts that he has to live for you, to speak on your behalf. That's the one thing he asked for prayer. If you're going to pray for me, pray that I might have boldness. That's what we want tonight, God. Give us boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good rest of the night. If you need any prayers, please come on up. We'd be glad to pray with you before you go.